0: From Kurt Co Media. Coming up on this episode of Life Done Better. The reality is that the things that you're afraid to do without alcohol aren't things that you are not capable of. They are not personality traits that you cannot portray. They are not states of relaxation and emotional security that you can't get to. The problem is you just are out of practice.
1: Welcome to Life Done Better. I'm your host, Jill DeYoung. Have you heard or participated in Dry January? Dry January is a month when many people voluntarily stop drinking alcohol after the excess drinking during the holidays and start the new year on a sober, clearer, more refreshed and healthy note. The annual No Alcohol Challenge offers a reprieve, a reset, a chance to reflect on the impact alcohol has on our lives. Many people feel so much more energized, upbeat, and ready to take on the new year. And they feel supported on the journey as they're not the only ones not drinking. But then February comes around and the drinking starts again. Does that sound familiar? Before you know, there are many occasions and get-togethers in your life that invites the alcohol back in. And even though you may feel like drinking less would benefit you, didn't some studies say that moderate alcohol consumption may provide some health benefits? To talk in depth about drinking and how it affects our mind, body, and lives, I invited alcohol-free lifestyle expert, Amanda Kuda. She teaches a modern approach to personal development through the lens of elective sobriety. She helps ambitious, soulful women design alcohol-free lives they're in love with. Do not worry, this episode is not intended to get you to stop drinking alcohol altogether, but it will provide some great insight and you may discover what role alcohol plays in your life. Welcome to the show, Amanda.
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for that introduction. I'm so excited to be here.
1: I am so curious to hear what your personal experience is with alcohol and what made you decide that alcohol didn't fit in anymore.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that I had a relatively normal relationship with alcohol throughout my life. I started drinking in my late teens, kind of as a way to fit in because everyone had kind of started evolving towards that stage of kind of being on going from sleepovers to basement parties. And I really just saw it as a way to fit in and stay amongst my peers. And for what it's worth, I grew up in a very, very small town, middle of nowhere, and there weren't a lot of options. So you either went along with the crew or you you stayed at home. And I realized that if I wanted to fit in, that I needed to probably adopt this lifestyle. You know, I think at the time I thought it helps me because I was very shy and insecure. I was the ugly duckling. I didn't come out of my shell until college. And I believe at that point it It gave me this false sense of confidence that maybe I needed in order to socialize at that point. And I certainly think that drinking is a rite of passage in our culture. So I would never encourage or tell anyone not to ever drink because I think it's definitely something that you get to have your experience with. But as I went through college, you know, I had a pretty heavy party girl phase where I drank. And then I quieted down a little bit while I was in grad school because I really had to buckle down and study. It was the first time I was really intellectually challenged to the level that I needed my full brain capacity. But after that, I kind of stepped into what I call my Carrie Bradshaw phase, where I was, you know, wanting to live this model of an adult sophisticated woman going out to happy hour, you know, feeling sexy and sophisticated. So I kind of dipped back into the happy hour or the weekend drinking. And that turned into be a kind of heavy social scene, but it wasn't abnormal because everyone around me was doing the same thing and it's still being very successful. And, you know, I'm sure many of your listeners have the same experience where their activity and their experience with alcohol is very normalized in their social crew. But right around the time I turned 30, something started to really kind of itch at me. I just had this very big sense that I was supposed to do something more important in life than what I was currently doing and what I was currently able to do. I knew that I didn't have the confidence, the creative vision, or the energy to quite get at whatever that was. And I had this really upsetting suspicion that alcohol was the thing getting in the way. And it was upsetting because I built so much of my identity and my social life around it. So I didn't want to admit that alcohol was keeping me back. And I certainly didn't think that I had a problem. So I didn't want to take the route that I thought most people took to quit drinking, which was to go to AA or say that I was an alcoholic because I wasn't. So I was really stuck in this double bind of feeling like I had more to give in life and sensing that alcohol was the thing getting in the way but not really knowing how to take it out of the picture because I didn't want to be seen as an alcoholic. And I kind of sat in that double bind for two or three years, really trying to moderate alcohol and figure out this relationship to make it work for me before dry January came up. And I realized like, Hey, this is a golden opportunity for me to take a break outside of the normalized stigma of sobriety and actually just see what it might be like to quit drinking for a while. So I quit drinking for dry January with the intention to, Oh, this will be perfect. It'll reset my system and I'll go right back to normal. And something told me during that time, I just had this for what it's worth, like a download, if you would call it, my inner guide spoke to me and said, Amanda, I know that you have big things to do in this life and I can't see you doing them with alcohol in the picture. And I knew in that moment that I had to keep trying, I couldn't try to integrate alcohol back in after 30 days. And so I kind of started an extended journey, which led to me becoming a coach um, for women who want to also practice elective sobriety. And now um, I'm in the process of writing a book on the topic too. And it's never what I thought that I would be teaching on or talking about or be making my career around, but it's been such a miraculous lifestyle change and upgrade in my life that I can't imagine what my life would be without it.
1: Yeah. And I love diving deeper into it because it's super interesting to hear that it was subtle and it wasn't like you had any real issues. It was just that you felt like there was more in life that you wanted to go after and that you didn't have the clarity, creativity, or even energy to do. And that you thought, okay, what needs to happen for me in order to get there? And you kind of intuitively knew it was alcohol, right? Because Mm -hmm. obviously, we feel great when we drink alcohol in the moment. It's it is really a wonderful little buzz, and you know, a, a drink or two really will give us that more relaxed feeling. Takes the edge of, but yeah, how do we feel the day after, right? How do we wake up? How is it different from the days that you're not drinking the, the night before?
0: Mm-hmm. On the other side of someone being someone who no longer drinks. I have, I thought I was doing pretty good. Like, I think I'm kind of a badass. Like I was kicking ass in life. I was, you know, healthy from all perceived, you know, visible, visible, um, aspects. I was intelligent. I was doing really well at work yet. What I wasn't telling anyone was how fuzzy I constantly felt, how Mm. unmotivated, how kind of mediocre i felt every day and i can tell you that now i'm 5 years alcohol free and being down that road my brain and my creative and intellectual capacity are so much higher and my energy and my zest for life and my ability to experience and be with my feelings are so much stronger that um sure it might not seem like a big deal while you're doing it and you're experiencing little um, negative side effects here and there or have, have a few days hungover. But what is truly miraculous is when you are completely free of alcohol and you get to see how powerful your body and mind really are. And that's a really good feeling.
1: Absolutely. I think that's the actually best reward you get out of it. Mm-hmm. I also, I'm, I, so I'm just for myself, I'm not completely alcohol free, but I can probably count the amount of alcoholic drinks I had on one or two hands every year. It's like between four and eight drinks, not more than that. It helps that my partner doesn't drink alcohol that uh, he had. Uh, he had a past and drinking too much alcohol. And now every time he does drink, it just feels, he feels awful right away. So there's no drinking together, which really helps me. And I gotta mm-hmm. say, I really appreciate not drinking much because I also feel like I want to have the clarity of mind. I want to have the energy yes. to do all that I want to do. Cause, yeah, Cause when you think about having the attention, you know, obviously January, February, March, everyone is, is, excited about chasing after their goals. And this year it's going to be different and better. We got to take out what can sabotage us. Right. And one of the things that, that can be the, the one thing that you want to take out is alcohol. And it doesn't have to be, altogether. It's more like you drink less because if alcohol and night of drinking sabotages your plan to work out the next day, and it makes you want to eat greasy food, which is normal, mm-hmm. right? It just yeah. kind of absorbs the alcohol and you feel a little better, or you drink another drink in the morning. People do that, right? Just to feel better. You're like, Hey, I can think more clearly now. Then you may reconsider, right? There are other substitutes, and I would love for you to um, give some examples of what you tell your clients and your friends and whoever wants to hear it. What are some great alcohol substitutes?
0: Oh yeah, you know this is has changed so very much since I quit drinking five years ago. You know, back then there were like maybe a couple of non-alcoholic beers that tasted like skunk water that were not very good and maybe, um, you know, some mocktail recipes here and there, but now there are hundreds of alcohol-free brands that make really, really solid duplicates. So I have several alcohol-free wine brands that I really love that they actually, you know, if you're a wine person who really loves the story and the experience of wine, uh, all of these wines are de-alcoholized, which means they create them just as if they were a normal wine and then they pull the alcohol out of them. Um, in terms of alcohol free wine, the one that I'm really loving right now is called Shirley. They have some really great, you know, rose, sparkling, sparkling whites and a red, which I haven't tried, but I would, I am super, super excited to try those. I just think the quality is really good. I really love a brand called Groovy out of Colorado. They have a Prosecco and rose and then some really, really spot on beers. I just tried one of their stouts last week and it tasted exactly like I remember a stout tasting just without the booze in it and you can recreate all of the things that you love. However, what i would say if you're trying to take a break from alcohol really ask yourself if you are trying to break a routine and if that substitute is actually going to make it make you crave it more so you know like if you're trying to wean off sugar and sometimes you use a sugar substitute your body just gets kind of ticked off and is like no i want the real thing so really ask yourself are you going to get upset when you drink the thing that tastes like what you want but it doesn't give you the same physical side effect yeah are you drinking for the buzz or are you drinking for the flavor flavor exactly or because you want something special in your glass. But if you're someone who's drinking for the buzz and then you start to try and use a substitute, your body might get angry. So at which point I would say, hey, back off of it for a while. That w- there will be a time when you'll be able to have these substitutes and you'll be perfectly happy with it. But in the meantime, maybe just try a kombucha or a hot tea or something or a sparkling water, something that does not read like alcohol at all. That way your body doesn't get frustrated that you're not getting that same loosened up effect.
1: I, I like that, and also pouring it in the glass that you normally pour your alcohol in, make it fun, and maybe get slides of pineapple or mint or you know strawberries. just make it feel like it's a treat because you're not obviously punishing yourself by drinking less alcohol. You're only trying to do you know better for your body and yes. so uh, so it should feel like another treat,
0: yes. I want to share a concept that I learned from an author and podcaster named Gretchen Rubin, and she calls it moderators and abstainers. And these are kind of like personality archetypes that most people tend to be one or the other. And it sounds like you, Jill, are a moderator. You're someone who doesn't do well with hard and fast rules. In fact, if you have them, you often rebel. You're like, I'm eating chocolate every I day. I have my own rules. Come on. Right, right. And um, you do better if you set some you set some guidelines and you stick to your own um, treat yourself every now and then. And you're pretty, it sounds like you're pretty good with that. You don't drink very often. And when you do, it's very low amount. And I would say for someone who is a natural moderator, this conversation might not ever happen, right? Because it never occurs to you to to quit altogether because you've always had a moderate relationship. Now, the problem comes with the other group who are abstainers, and they idolize moderators and want to be them. But this is an archetypal thing, right? You're one or the other. Typically, and you don't often switch over to the other side. And an abstainer does better with all or nothing goals. So you take something out, and it's a no for a certain period of time. So for me, I started out with alcohol being a no for 30 days then 60 days, then 90 days. And I thrived off of it because if it was a no, then it was no big deal. And I didn't think about it. But if I had to try and manage when I was going to drink, how much I was going to drink, how I was going to control it, and when I was going to stop, it would consume my thoughts. And so mentally, it was unproductive for me. And what I found to be the most productive was just to say, not right now and not for a extended period of time. And I did really well with that. And I do well with that in all aspects of life.
1: And do you think it's part of our DNA, like that we're one or the other?
0: I wouldn't say that it's part of our DNA necessarily, but it's definitely our native come from. This is how Mm -hmm. we most logically or most likely will behave. Also in other areas of life, right? It's Oh, totally. Yeah. For me, it's with exercise too. I'm either working out consistently and with a very set schedule or I go off the rails and I'm not doing it at all. And so you really see it across the board in many of your behaviors. So often though, abstainers want to be moderators and they try to train themselves into it, but because it's innate within our body, it's really difficult to do that. So I would say if you're someone who's been wanting to change that relationship with alcohol, instead of trying to make yourself a moderator, what I would recommend is try to abstain for an extended period of time and just see how you feel. Use it as an experiment because nothing wrong can come from you setting an, a, a period of abstinence. It, only good things, right?
1: Absolutely, your body is a free lab. Or, you know you can you can get test results within weeks. You don't need to send anything in. You just, you know, set a new rule for yourself, test it out, and your feeling will will let you know if this is better for you or not. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. very likely you're going to enjoy it. It will be hard at first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we I we can go back to the question that you asked about why do people drink? And I have some theories that are a little bit, you know, deeper than what we might say on the surface. And you know, I would I would turn back to you, Joe. Why do you think that you might say other people, yourself included, like to enjoy alcohol? Like, what are you trying to get at or get away from when you drink? It is to
1: take the edge off. It is to, like, talk more freely, to kind of get out of the work mode and get into relaxing mode.
0: Yeah. And for most people, those are exactly the same things. Or if you're at a social occasion to be more magnanimous, to be more funny, to be more sexy. But if you look at those those reasons, what I can deduce it down to is every time you drink, you are doing it in order to be more of something you deem to be socially desirable and acceptable, or less of something that you you deem to be socially undesirable and unacceptable. So you're drinking to be more funny, More energized, more sexy, right? You're drinking to avoid being stressed, anxious, emotional, right? And so every time we drink to go towards or away from something, we send ourselves a subconscious message. And that message is self, you are not capable of being funny, sexy, exciting, fun on your own. Or self, you don't know how to relax. To be less stressed, don't even try. And no matter which way you look at it, these are both very disempowering messages to your inner subconscious. And the reality is, the things that you're afraid to do without alcohol aren't things that you are not capable of. They are not personality traits that you cannot portray. They are not states of relaxation and emotional security that you can't get to. The problem is, you just are out of practice. At some point, you decided you weren't ready to learn that skill. So instead, you substituted alcohol just as I did when I was you know, 17 or 18 wanting to fit in. So instead of learning how to be confident in myself and learning how to deal with anxiety and deal with discomfort... I numbed it out. So at that point, I stunted my emotional growth and I stopped really learning how to get along. Now, of course, there were occurrences in my life where I could put on a face. You know, when I was at a corporate event, I knew how to turn it on and to step into character and to be a social butterfly if I needed to. But that was one character. And when it was in a very social, like friendly atmosphere, I didn't really know how to do that because I skipped out on the lesson. And so it's not that you can't do it you just stopped learning so long ago that it seems really scary. And all you need is some practice and someone to teach you how to step into that piece of you that you numbed out however many decades ago.
1: Ooh, it's powerful to see that deeper layer of it because there's so Mm -hmm. many people that say, well, alcohol is not the problem. It's the solution to my problem, right? Because it's the numbing of the emotions. You know, if we're going through a hard time or if we had something happen in our childhood that we haven't processed or... Whatever it is at this time in your life, it is it is a numbing and it is um, stunting growth if we're really thinking about it. Now, of course, we all deal with things differently, but if we can deal with things better than uh, taking alcohol out and actually sitting with your emotions and understanding where you can learn more and grow more and expand more, that's where the real gold is here. Mm -hmm. And so how, how did you start working on the things that you wanted to work on? Let's say, okay, well, I know that I'm not as comfortable, you know, being social or talking to other people without alcohol. How did you like resolve that without alcohol? How were you able to practice that?
0: You know, it took a little mental resilience. So I did definitely take a period of time where I kind of retreated inward and I really started to become a student of spirituality and personal development. But I also decided I'm just going to be brave. I'm just going to go out there and do these things and make it a power statement that I'm not drinking. So I made sure to involve myself in some of the things that my friends were doing, like birthday parties or outings. But the the secret is I always gave myself an out. I never let myself get trapped. So I never let myself go out somewhere where I wouldn't be able to leave when I started to feel uncomfortable. So what I really started to do was really just test my resilience. So I would go as long as I felt that I could. And then when I stopped, started getting tired or annoyed that everyone else was drunk or I started feeling bored, I would just leave. And what I realized through that practice is the things that we think are boring or would be boring without alcohol, they are they're just boring. Yeah. (laughs) They they are just boring.
1: My goodness, when you were just telling me about having an exit, I totally remember my days in Milan and Italy. See, I was modeling back in the days. And I remember seeing so much alcohol and drug abuse around me that I didn't see a reason to, you know, to be part of that because I didn't see them more happy or, you know, more confident or just like, you know, better people. They were not, they were dealing with a lot of emotions. I could see it from the outside. And so I decided, then to not drink alcohol, to not do any drugs. And I would go to the parties with all the girls and I literally have exited emergency exits several times because I was like, mm-hmm. I felt all their anxiety. I felt all the emotions in the club and, uh, and, and everyone being so uncomfortable with one another and not really feeling, like there was room for a meaningful conversation or real connection. I literally felt so out of place at times where I, I pushed through the emergency exit onto the street, hailed a cab and went home. I mean, I just transformed. Yeah. I just uh, realized I've done that quite a few times in my life.
0: I so resonate with that. And I wonder, Jill, do you identify, do you identify as an empath or someone who's highly empathic?
1: I do. Yes. Yeah. I do feel, I I do feel a lot of other people's energies. Absolutely.
0: Right. Which is basically what you described there, just being in a club and being overwhelmed by the energy and what I wouldn't, I like empath is being an empath is a tremendous gift. It's a superpower that often goes unmanaged, but I would encourage anyone who's listening, who resonates with that story that Jill just told to look up, just take a quiz, could I be an empath? Am I an empath? I have one on my website that you can find really easily because one of the the characteristics I find through my clients is most of them are highly, highly empathic. And what they've really been doing their entire lives without really knowing it is drinking because the overstimulation of some of those environments is too much. So in order to not feel weird and wonky and out of sorts in these big party environments, they had to dilute their senses a little bit, in order as kind of a survival mechanism. But I'm kind of turning you onto this now, whoever's listening, so that if you feel that you've been doing that, you can actually learn to harness that energy that you take on from other people so that when you're out at these environments, you're not feeling so overwhelmed and you're feeling like you can have a conversation or stick around for a little while or just say, that event is no longer for me. If I have to dilute myself to feel comfortable in this environment, maybe it's just a no for me. I find that a lot of people who are highly empathic or highly sensitive, actually, it's not them. Uh, it's not the alcohol or it's not trying to fit in that they're trying to accomplish. It's trying not to feel so hypersensitive in some of these environments.
1: Yeah. So it's, again, it's somehow numbing, right? Kind of like dialing back in. Okay. You know, it's it's a bit crazy out here. Let me just dial into the other frequencies. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Amanda Kuda. 2022
0: is going to be your best travel year ever. I'm Bruce Wallen from Travel That Matters, the podcast about the world's most exceptional and meaningful travel experiences. That African safari you've been dreaming about, that diving charter in Indonesia, the time for those epic adventures is now. The 2022 season of Travel That Matters takes you there and beyond. So join our adventure every other Tuesday from Kurt Co Media.
1: Welcome back to my chat with alcohol-free lifestyle expert, Amanda Kuda. I'd love to talk about how you deal with friends, encouraging, stimulating, and not wanting you to quit drinking because you're not that fun if you're not drinking. Mm
0: -hmm. How do you deal with that? Yeah. You know, that is something that was really difficult for me, especially as someone who I always really just tried so hard to be popular when I was younger. And I realized that caused me to be really inauthentic as an adult. I was living as this character that I created that I thought was going to be cool, fun, and popular, but I had really whittled down all of the things that made me unique and fun and turned myself into this like basic, girl. And that's not what any of you listening deserve to be. You were meant to shine at your fullest capacity. And it is through your shining that you encourage and allow other people to do so as well. And that you attract the people that you're actually able to be around. So if you've been diluting yourself, you've been attracting friends that aren't attracted to the real you. They're attracted to this like facsimile, this, this facade that you've created and true friendship, the friendship that you are deserving of is reciprocal, is vulnerable, is authentic, is acceptance. And if you are worrying that alcohol is the glue that's holding your friendships together, I got to tell you. You probably just deserve better friends. And while that might be hard to hear um, or make you feel a little bit anxious because maybe you've known these people for, for quite a long time and you have nostalgia with them. And I'm certainly not saying just go out right now and dump all of your friends. That's not the, the case. But what I would say from a spiritual perspective is be willing for those friendships to shift form and be willing for them to fade away if necessary. Mm-hmm. So in my life, I just moved to Austin, Texas, six years ago or so when I. I stopped drinking and I just made all new friends. So luckily my time put in wasn't so much, but my energy invested was because I had just gone out and tried really hard to belong myself in a new friend group. And what I ultimately had to say was, you know, if these people are meant to be in my life, they'll find a way to reform themselves into proper friendships that aren't centered around drinking. And if not, I trust that nothing dramatic has to happen, but they will just fade away and I will be introduced to new like-minded people. And what I found was that was true. I still have several friends from that group who I keep in touch with, and we do things that involve nothing to do with drinking. We go on hikes or we go to coffee. But the more miraculous thing is once I raised My energetic vibration, I automatically started to become a match for people who were at or seeking to be at that higher vibration. So, like a magnet, I started to attract new, like minded people who I didn't even know existed before. I was completely convinced that I had met everyone who I could possibly meet and everyone drank because that's all I could see with my blinders on. Right. But in my periphery were all of these other people who we were just ships passing in the wind because I was in this one line of sight. And once I opened up that vision, I was stunned at how many high value, high vibe, reciprocal, accepting, supportive, encouraging, uplifting, inspiring friendships were available to me. And I have better friendships now at 35 than I have throughout my entire life. And my friendships that I was able to keep have only grown stronger. That gives me goosebumps Thank you. Cause I was just on my soapbox
1: for a second. Yeah. I love it because I was having this conversation with one of my best friends and she is a mother of two and she hangs out with a lot of other mothers. They're overwhelmed, super busy. They, they all have jobs and you know busy lives. And she was telling me how hard it was not to drink because everyone is drinking. And um, you know, she was telling me that the environment that she lives in and, and works in and socializes in, they're all drinking. And so even though she really wants to, she really is looking forward to dry January, she does it every year. Mm-hmm. And so I challenged her, I said, babe, you've been telling me this every year. It's not just because you actually moved um, to another country. And I said, it's not just, you know, where you live now. It's where you were living before. You are in that environment every time again. So you bring yourself with you, right? And so- you can also decide to not drink all year. And it may sound like a crazy idea, but what if, you know? So I just kind of opened up the door for her because I said, look, it's not that I tell you that you have to do this at all. I'm just hearing that you function better with without alcohol. And especially she's getting a bit older and she's like, I really cannot stand alcohol anymore. My body doesn't want it. But at the same time, she just keeps getting invites and keeps drinking, even though it's not much, it still affects her to the level that she does not feel as uplifted and rooted and strong as she wanted, wants to be. And so mm-hmm. then I was comparing her life with my life. I said, you know what's interesting? My partner doesn't drink. I hardly drink. People that come around our house and we do have you know barbecues and get togethers hardly drink either. It's interesting that my environment, and just like you said, it kind of so resonated that you do attract people that don't drink because they people do bring wine, but it's it's unopened. It's almost like, oh, it's just a nice thing to do. It's something to bring, mm-hmm. right? To contribute. But at the end of the night, no one is drunk. No, Hardly anyone is drinking. And there's quite a few people that had issues with, with drinking before and they bring their own kombucha. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, what I've noticed are really obsessed with being in nature and surfing. Like uh, it's like they get the same high, the same, you know, the presence, the confidence, the, this connectedness that they're looking for, because the, what I've learned is that the opposite side of addiction is connection, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we think of addiction and thinking of numbing, we are feeling a loss of connection to ourselves, Mm -hmm. to others, to the world, to universe. Yeah. And so are we all looking for connection? Is this the root of maybe drinking and consuming more alcohol than we need?
0: Yeah. You know, my favorite spiritual teacher is Marianne Williamson, and she has this great quote that goes, we're all on a spiritual journey. Some of us just don't know it yet. And what that means is, you know, on some level, we're all seeking. We're all seeking for that peace, that inner sense of knowing that we are supported by something bigger than ourselves, and that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. But because traditional religion has failed so many of us, or we worry that we'll be seen as a certain way if we tap into that spiritual nature that is innate within us, this inner wisdom um, is this most simple form. You can call it inner wisdom. You can call it inner guide. You can call it higher power spirit, whatever. But when you actually tap into that this thing that we crave so desperately and you get a taste of it and you get what true connection is connection to not just, you know, your spiritual nature, but your emotions, your capacity to actually feel and process these emotions that you've been avoiding. And what you learn is you start to have even heightened emotions on the positive spectrum. It's not just the negative emotions you were numbing. It's the positive ones as well. Brene Brown says, you numb the dark and you numb the light. And I can absolutely attest to that. If you are drinking at any magnitude whatsoever, you are diluting your connection to everything that's available to you, to yourself, to your spirit, to other people, to your capacity to perform in ways that will help you attract the opportunities that you want in life. I mean, we all want things, these things so badly, but yet we turn a, a, a blind eye to one of the most pervasive things that keeps us from getting there. And it happens to be alcohol but it's so socially acceptable that we don't dare look at it right it's almost like oh no don't don't tell me it's booze that's holding me back but it often is
1: and when you do heavy drinking, it, it really causes inflammation of the liver and that's mm-hmm. irreparable. So we right. don't want to, you know, go resort to heavy drinking at all. And if someone in your family does, and you want to inspire them, then be the example, show them how great your life is without drinking alcohol. And if they wonder why you're so happy and so focused and you know, you have your life, your shit together. Mm -hmm. Tell them why, like, and they, you know, it's always better to show by example, than tell other people not to drink and not to do what they're doing, because oftentimes there's just resistance, right? Yeah. If you're listening and you do want to think about doing a dry January, February, March, whatever month it is to try it out, then think about the other four health benefits. The health benefits when not consuming alcohol is number one, lowers your blood pressure, Mm-hmm. Number two, improves insulin resistance. Number three, it contributes to weight loss. And most importantly, four, decreases cancer-related growth factors.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: We have discussed all the aspects of drinking and yes, it can be fun and yes, you you can have a drink. It's just the question is, where are you in life? And is alcohol stopping you from growing into the direction that you want to go in? Yes. And so the two archetypes were abstainers and moderators. What personality are you? What archetype are you? And this is really important to know because then, you know, if you got to say no to yourself or say You can do it in moderation whenever, you know, you really want to. And you can still ask yourself every time the question, even if a drink is standing in front of you, you can ask your question, do I really want to drink right now? And the one thing that really helped me say, and for other people to stop asking, pushing or encouraging was, no, thank you. I'm not drinking. Uh, I feel so much better when I don't. Yes.
0: Yes, and they can't argue that. They no can't one is going
1: to argue that. Oh, I want no. you to drink with me because I want to, you know, I want you not to feel good. Mm-hmm. Done. It's really the end of conversation. Yes. I love it. I'm so glad we had this conversation and I hope everyone's listening, got something out of this conversation that... Truly is inspiring to me. And I, I love following Amanda on her Instagram because even though she is completely alcohol free, it, this is not, you know, like to invite you to be alcohol free for the rest of your life. It is, it, she shares so many great, so much great information about her improvements about what, you know, the, the roadblocks to the, the common mm-hmm. things that we all deal with. Um, she's very entertaining and, and super relatable and is not, you know, going to get mad or, you know, shame you if you have a drink at all. Please follow her. Amanda, what is your Instagram? Yeah,
0: thank you so much. I Yes, I would love to have anyone who this message resonates with to follow me because it's not about if, that, if alcohol is bad or wrong or if you have to stop drinking. It's about what do you want your life to look like and what could you do to make that possible? And that's my mission is that if you have something in your heart that you want to achieve and you have this inkling that alcohol is holding you back, I want to empower you to live that life. So you can find me everywhere at Amanda Kuda. Um, That's K-U-D-A, Amanda Kuda. And I'm mostly on Instagram. I don't really play in any of the other social media sandboxes. So um, find me there and say hello. I'd love to hear from anyone who found this helpful.
1: Yay! Thanks, Amanda. You're wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing your nuggets of wisdom. And uh, hey, if you're inspired, try a month of no alcohol and let us know how it was for you. Thanks so much to Amanda Kuda for joining me on the show. I know you may be tired of hearing the constant new Year, new me conversation. But every January, we have such a great chance to make the changes we want and deserve to see in ourselves. It may seem intimidating to give up drinking forever, but you don't have to do that. Try just one week or one month. See how you feel. Maybe it works for you, maybe it doesn't, but you never know until you try. It might just be the trick you haven't considered. I just want the best for all of you this year, and I'm so glad you can join me on this road to becoming our best selves each and every day. Have a wonderful day, my friends, and I'll see you soon.